Well, I'm pleased to say that we're joined by Sean Teal. Good evening, Sean. Evening, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? I'm alright, thanks. Fantastic. Uh, and obviously we, we've invited Sean on to have a look at his career. Uh, and one thing that jumped out to me, Sean, is uh, during your time at Tram Rovers, you were loaned out to a team called Sing Tao. I, uh, I can't find any information on them, though. Is that What happened there? Uh, well, actually, it wasn't. It was, a, it was a team called Happy Valley, so I don't know how Wikipedia got it wrong, but uh, it just goes to show that Wikipedia don't get everything right. It does. Happy Valley, then. So how did that come about? Um, I was at Sanford Tramere. Uh, Johnny King was manager, and John Aldridge uh, got the job when Johnny King got sacked. Uh, to be quite honest, I didn't see eye to eye with, with Mr Aldridge. Um, and and really needed to get out because I was I was languishing and not even playing the reserves. I just wasn't playing football. I was sat on the touchline doing nothing week in week out. And uh, I was 30, 33 then. And I didn't want to do that for the last few years of my career. So um, I went on a free transfer list, and the, the opportunity through a, a, an old playing colleague of mine came to go to Hong Kong. So um, I spoke to them in Hong Kong and, and basically jumped at the opportunity just to go out there for a year. Obviously, experienced a different football culture as well as a different culture of life, um, probably compared to Tramier and Merseyside. It was certainly a different culture <laughs> in more ways than one, <laughs> but we won't go into that. Um, it was quite strange at times. Um, they've got a very, uh, a very strange way of seeing football out there. Um, whereas we're, I mean, we had six English lads in the team, including myself, so we were quite a physical team compared to the other teams. Um, it didn't always go down too well. Looking at your career stats, you spent a lot of time at Aston Villa um, between you know, 91 95. What are your memories of your time at Aston Villa? Um, I think, the, I think the, the biggest memory, obviously, was, was 94, the Coca Cola Cup final, uh, beating United at Wembley. Um, First, first trophy that Villa had won in in 12 years. So it was, you know, it was important at that stage of, uh, of Villa as a club to win something. And obviously, they went on two years later and won it again. Um, well, that was '96. So you look at it now, we're we're, we're 17 years on, they've not won anything since then. They they seem to be at a, a club in turmoil at the moment as well. That's certainly last season with so many youngsters coming into the side. Last season was just ridiculous. Um, you know, the, the, the squad wasn't balanced at all. Uh, a new manager in after what had been, you know, a horrendous season the, the season before with what basically was a, a very poor appointment um, in Alex McLeish. And, you know, I think I think Randy Lerner had decided then that the money was going to get cut to, to bare minimum. So it became difficult. Um, uh, and, and to be fair, you know, it's not been easy this season. We, you know, we, obviously we, we get the win at Arsenal first game of the season. Everyone thinks, you know... Everything's rosy in the garden, but it hasn't turned out that way as yet. What I'm going to do, Sean, I'm going to pass it over to uh, to Chris and Owen as well. Um, I know those guys have got a couple of questions for you. I think some of our forum uh, users have sent a few questions in for you as well. Okay. Yep. Hi, Sean. Hi, Chris. Hi, you're right. Yeah, I'll say that first question from Lasty Bass. He said, have you got any stories about uh, Paul McGrath? Uh, have I got any stories about Paul? <laughs> uh, I could tell half a dozen. Um, some of them are unrepeatable, I think, on a on a podcast. But um, obviously, I mean, uh, it's well it's well documented. 
Paul's uh, problems with with alcohol uh, over his career. Um, and probably the funniest story I, I can tell is is my first real dealings with Paul. I signed in in '91. Um, I signed on the the Monday, and we flew to Germany for pre-season on the Tuesday. Um, and I was rooming with Les Seely, and we went down into the village after the morning session, which Paul had trained in, um, knowing we were going back in the afternoon for another session of, of head tennis. Um, so we got back up uh, in the afternoon, and Paul had been having a few sherbets at lunchtime in one of the bars, and uh, I'd had rather too many. Um, and he came out for training in the afternoon, uh, and he turned up in his, in his studs, and we were, we were doing head tennis on a concrete tennis court um, and he was like Bambi on ice and obviously with the drink in him he couldn't stand up that well anyway so they marched him back up to the hotel took all his money off him, locked him in his bedroom for the afternoon to sleep it off uh, and when we came back three hours later uh, where was Paul? Uh, he wasn't in his bedroom, he was back in the bar drinking again and, and signing all the drink onto Aston Villa's club uh, <laughs> account so he had a free afternoon on the drink so, and he'd actually shimmied down the drain pipe together, which uh, was quite a feat in itself, to be honest. Uh, our next question is from Ozzy Mahmood. He says, do you still have your fantastic moustache? Uh, no. I, it's, it, it always surprises me when Villa fans go on about my moustache, because I actually got rid of it in 94 before I left the club, so... Obviously, nobody realised I was there the last year. <laughs> No, yeah, it's a two-part question. He says, what do you cons- if you don't have it, do you, do you, what do you consider doing a November fundraising? Uh, well, somebody asked me that last year, actually, would, would I consider doing it? Um, I don't think the wife had let me do it, to be quite honest. She hates it, so <laughs> um, I think uh, I'll stay on the good side of Carol, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and our, our last one is from uh, Nick Davy. He says... Uh, do you think Tramia Rovers can achieve promotion under Lonnie Moore this season? Say that again. Do you think Tramia Rovers can achieve promotion under Lonnie Moore this season? Um, uh, no. no. <laughs> because I think um, I think they're a pale, a pale shadow of a side they were last season when they probably had the, uh, you know, if, if not the best chance, one of the best chances they've had in years of, of doing something, and they've, yeah. they've started off quite poorly this year so I think they'll struggle a bit this year to be honest last season they just couldn't score any goals for some reason again the the balance of the side just seems to be all wrong and the the shipping goals and you know I think they've stood still and everybody else has improved in that table this this time round and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a struggle for them to be honest but when they brought Lowen, they might get a couple of goals. But yeah, it's funny how it, it works sometimes. Though it just, you know, he's obviously not settled, and and I don't know. I, it just for me, on the bits I've seen of it and what's gone on, it just it doesn't seem to be adding up this year. Whereas last year they were they were you know they they were winning important games. This year that they're shipping goals and losing poor games. Hmm. That's, uh, well, I'll pass you over to Owen if he's got any questions. Uh, yeah, hi there, Sean. Um, I just wanted to go back and touch a bit more on your time at um, Aston Villa. Um, you played in a obviously played in a successful team with good uh, runner-up in the Premier League, and you know, as you said, football league cup. Um, who was the who were the best players you played alongside whilst you were at Villa? 
Uh, well, I mean, obviously, Paul Vergara uh, was, was the best player I played alongside. Um, Paul was an exceptional talent. But we, had, we were lucky because that, 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 those seasons we were lucky because we had, we had good players. We had good players right through the right through the team. You know, when you look at you kept Richardsons and people like that, who were good, solid Premiership players. So, and the other thing, as of now, they haven't really got what I consider a captain that, that leads them. We, we had sort of ten captains, and, and everyone played as captains, and we all did our part. So, I was lucky. I played with some great players. People like Andy Townsend, you know, uh, Kev Richardson, Daly, and Dino you know, up front. They were all they were all quality players. And. Um, with, with regards to before you moved to uh, Villa, you spent some well spent a couple of years at um, Bournemouth. Um, now I was looking at the transfer fee paid, um, and I believe it was fifty thousand for you to go from Weymouth to Bournemouth. Um, yeah. Obviously, a fair bit of money in those days for um, you know for for a non-league side to be getting. Um, did you feel more pressure moving up to Bournemouth and, and into the actual football league? Or moving from Bournemouth to Aston Villa. Um, you know what? If I'm honest, I didn't really feel any pressure with any of it. Um, I think you know if you've got belief in your own ability, you just you just it's just a natural thing and you get on with it. I, I moved to, to Bournemouth, and my, my biggest worry was getting in the team because at the time John Williams and, and Kevin Bond were the two centre halves. Um, but I got a lucky break from from that point. I, I, I signed, and then Kevin Bond had major pelvic surgery, which kept him out for six months. So. I got my chance, and you know, if you take your chance with both hands, and they can't throw you out after that. And I ended up the two the two years or the two seasons I was there. I won Player of the Year both seasons, so you know, for me it worked. Um, going to Villa then was just something I was desperate to do. I wanted to play at the top. Um, uh, the, the, the only thing we going to Villa was the very first day when you walk in, and there's all these players that have played at the top level, and you're coming from a team. You know, from from two divisions below, and you know you're in awe of some of them to start with. Um, and apart from the, the the first day or so, you know, after that, it was just part of the club and get on with it. Fair, fair enough. That's uh, as good as an answer as any. And um, fi- finally, just um, obviously, you 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 played in defence. Um, quick question with regards to tackling. You played in a time where uh, hard tackles were the norm. Um, what's your view on the diving culture in the game today? And um, more importantly, actually, what you know, what constitutes as a fair tackle these days? Um, well, does anything constitute as a fair tackle really these days? Because let's face it. You, I mean, in, in my day, if you if you won the ball and followed through and caught the person, that was that was that was classed as a good tackle. Um, you know, if you have any contact even after you've won the ball and, and you can have won the ball cleanly but contact with them after, then it's classed as a free kick and usually a booking. Um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's taken away part of the game that, that you know, they, they were they were the, the main parts of the game um, right from the off, right from when football was invented. Tackling, you know, scoring goals, that was what it was all about. Now, all of a sudden, it's all about scoring goals and not about tackling. Nowadays, they they mark space and don't mark players. Yeah, I think I think the um, I think the challenge and the skill of tackling is more or less lost in today's um, game, which is a shame, really. Um, I actually blame yeah. I myself blame the referees to a large degree because I think I think they can they control the consistency of what what is considered a right challenge, and as soon as the whistle started going more, then 
calls came for uh, for tackling to became to become non-redundant essentially. Yeah, but I don't know if it's the referees so much. I think it's it, it's the people that run the game. You know, all of a sudden there was once once in a way that the, the foreign players came into the game, then all of a sudden it seemed to be well we have to play fairly. We can't we can't be the English game where we're tough tackling uh, and the game's played at 100 mile an hour. All of a sudden we've got to play their way, um, and their way was was all about closing the ball down and not particularly tackling. Whereas you know, we, we get stuck in, um, and it wouldn't be a foul. You could go abroad and play in Europe and do the same thing and get pulled up for it. And it was just, it, it all, I think it all started really with, with what they perceived to be a, a, a dangerous foot up. You know, we, we wouldn't, we, we'd kick someone in the head going for a ball and it wouldn't be a foul. You'd raise your foot, you know, ten foot, foot, four foot off the deck, and it was a foul in Europe. And from there it just seemed to snowball. And nowadays, as you say, you know, you, you literally can't tackle anymore. Cheers for that. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, just before we finish t- tonight's interview, Sean, I just want to ask you um, a, a question. A couple of years, well, two years ago, just been reading um, on the internet earlier tonight that you came out uh, of retirement to help the Herald Sunday yeah. League team. How did how did all that come about? Are you still playing for them now? No, no, no. I um, <laughs> it came about. Uh, after my, my excursions into management at Bursco and Chorley, um, my assistant manager, Ray Stafford at the time, became manager of a Sunday Sunday like, Sunday like side, the Herald, in, in local in Southport here. And he begged me for two years to play, and I wouldn't play. I said, no, I'm not playing anymore. I've had enough, blah, blah, blah. I can't see me get, you know, what's, what am I going to get out of it, in a sense, um, apart from probably uh, young lads running on the pitch trying to clatter me all day long. Um Anyway, eventually he talked me into it and I said, well, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll come and train. So I went and trained a couple of times. And I knew most of the lads there anyway um, and ended up playing. And I played the rest of that season. We ended up as runners-up. Um, and about two weeks before the last game of the season, I was getting out of my car one day and my back clicked. Um, and it ended up, uh, that was in the April, and it ended up the following January. I had major back surgery because... Uh, two of my discs had, had separated and fractured so um, that was the end of my career <laughs> due to my back so it's um, it's not quite having a tear in your hamstring while chasing down a striker is it getting out of the car and the uh, the back going but, uh... <laughs> yeah yeah well that that tells you, you get when, when it's your back that goes getting out of the car it's telling you you're too old <laughs> it's been an absolute don't say that don't say that I had that mind the other day <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you tonight, Sean. Uh, hopefully, you'll come back on the show again in the future, especially maybe we'll be able to talk about yeah, the no management problem. position in the uh, on future shows. Um, I'm sure the other guys agree with me. It's been a pleasure to have you on. No, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Sean. Thanks there very much for your time. Thanks very much for your time no tonight, Sean. Cheers. Cheers.